Hey, good morning, everybody. This is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Happy Sunday morning. Welcome to our pre-recorded service here at Parker Ford. It's great to have you with us, whether you're a member at Parker Ford or just watching online. As we start a new series, our new Advent series, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. What we're going to be doing in the next uh, several weeks of Advent is we're going to be thinking about the concept of waiting. As I was kind of praying and meditating and thinking about what subject would be helpful for us to cover in this year's Advent series. I was drawn to the concept of waiting in the scriptures. I mean, think about what it would have been like to be a first century Jewish person who had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. Here they are under Roman occupation. Here they are, exiles in their own land. And in the history of Israel, if you know their history, it's just brutal thing after brutal thing. Hardship after hardship has been happening. The prophets have largely been silent for the last several centuries. You have your, you know, the Hebrew scriptures that end um, with the post-exilic crew. And then there's intertestamental history that's really important, uh, including the Maccabees and during uh, the Greek occupation and all of that. But all that to say, it has been generation after generation after generation where they have been waiting for the promised Messiah. When you think about that, it helps illustrate why people interacted with Jesus the way that they did. They had different expectations about who he would be. They had different hopes about what he would be like. And sometimes Jesus shattered those. And I think it's the same for us. We continue to wait, although we know Christ and his atoning work, which we talked about last week. We're still waiting for his return. We're still waiting for him to make all things right. So what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks of Advent is looking at what it means to wait for the Messiah, what it means to hope in him and wait for him. So throughout this morning's pre-recorded service, we want to invite you to engage the content and interact with it. So throughout the morning, when you see a big red speech bubble on the slide, that's your clue to get ready to pause the video and have a conversation with those you're with. Or if you're alone, just to do some personal reflection and work with the Lord. So whenever you see that red speech bubble, you can pause and, and just kind of consider Um, the questions or the scripture, the content that we're at. This morning, we're talking about waiting in silence. Um, Think about the, the prophetic silence that had taken place where the prophets had largely gone silent. They're waiting for the word of the Lord to come, and it's just quiet. And then out of that quietness, the angel Gabriel appears to John's father, Zechariah, the priest, And he gives the announcement of John the Baptist's birth. And it it breaks the silence in this remarkable way. But in in the many, many years leading up to the coming of the Messiah, one of the repeated refrains of the prophets and the psalmists is this question, how long? In Habakkuk 1, 2, the the prophet Habakkuk says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? This phrase, how long, it shows up in the Psalms, it shows up in the minor prophets, it shows up in the major prophets, it shows up over and over again. How long, maybe you know the U2 song, how long to sing the song that uh, Bono got those lyrics from this scripture. How long are we going to be waiting? And so the scriptures have much to teach us about the nature of waiting, of waiting on the Lord, of waiting on his work. Right now is your first chance to pause the video and have a discussion. You can consider the following uh, questions 
is there something in your life that you have been waiting an extremely long time for? What have you been waiting for? I know kids who are watching this have been waiting for Christmas, uh, which is just a few weeks out now, but is there something in your life of great importance that you have been waiting an extremely long time for? Do you enjoy waiting? Do you enjoy it or is it frustrating and annoying to have to wait for something? And why do you think it takes God often such a long time to fulfill his promises? Sometimes it just takes so long for God to fulfill what we believe um, that he said he will surely do. So go ahead and have a discussion and then join us as we continue. This morning's opening scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 59, and it's a passage about waiting for the Messiah. And so I want to invite you to stand and let's read this out loud together as sort of a call to worship at the beginning of our service here. This is Isaiah 59, starting in verse 15. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you. And my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. While we've seen the fulfillment of this scripture and the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, coming to Zion, we continue to wait for this ultimate work of redemption that God will do when he makes all things new in creation. So before joining us for today's teaching segment of the video, why don't you have a discussion with the following questions and consider the following questions. What do you think it was like to be a first century Israelite who was waiting for the Messiah while living under Roman occupation? And why do you think God chose the specific time and place that he did to send Jesus? Go ahead and discuss that or consider it um, for the next few minutes and then join us for today's teaching. Thanks for joining us for the teaching portion of today's service. If you're just joining us uh, for the sermon uh, portion, today's service theme Uh, is the beginning of our Advent series, and our Advent series is going to be about waiting on the Lord, what it means to wait on the Lord. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about waiting when it's silent, when it feels like God is silent. So for our Advent series uh, this year, over the next four weeks up and through Christmas, we're going to be talking about how for hundreds of years, the people of God waited for the Lord's promised king, for his promised prophet, 
for his Messiah. I mean, at the end of the Pentateuch, way back in Deuteronomy, it said there's going to be a prophet like Moses who will rise up and lead you. And the people of God had been waiting since then. I think about in Genesis 3 where God prophesies that there's going to be a son of man who comes and crushes the serpent's head with his heel, but the serpent will strike his heel. The people of God have been waiting for that. The people of God have been waiting for a high priest who will truly live out his high priestly calling. They've been waiting for the king who will be the heir of David's throne. Generation after generation, the people have been waiting. It's hard to wait for the weekend (laughs) when it's Monday morning, let alone to wait for rescue and redemption for hundreds of years. So over the next several weeks of Advent, we're going to be exploring the idea of waiting for the Messiah. What was it like for Israel to wait? How is that similar and how is that different for us as we continue to wait for his return? One of the themes that's going to show up repeatedly throughout the series over the next few weeks is the relationship between patience, which is a fruit of the Spirit, and waiting, which is sort of a spiritual discipline, whether we like it or not, that God calls us into. One of my mentors, Galen Hackman, is going to be teaching several times throughout Advent and he's going to um, touch on this concept of the, the patience of the fruit of the Spirit being built in our lives through God inviting us into seasons which are often difficult of waiting. One of my favorite Christmas passages, and it's, it's not traditionally used as a Christmas passage or an Advent passage, but for me it's become one of the most beautiful Christmas passages, is from Galatians chapter 4. And in this passage, Paul is talking about how um, God had sort of taken the people of Israel and put them under custody of the law, that the law was their temporary guardian while they were waiting for the fuller covenant. And then he has this beautiful passage in Galatians chapter 4. So starting in verse 1, it says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, or other translations put it, at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we, he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I love this as a Christmas passage. I love this in the season of Advent because of this phrase. When the right time came, at just the right time, God sent his son born of a woman. In other words, it wasn't accidental. It wasn't random. It wasn't mere coincidence that Jesus was born a first century Jew in the time and in the place that he was born. It may have felt random. It may have felt overdue. It may have felt like God had forgotten to fulfill his promise. 
thinking, if you were thinking about what it was like to be an Israelite under Roman occupation, what it was like to walk down a road and have crosses lining the highway, this symbol of oppression, and have your cousin or your uncle or your aunt or, God forbid, your grandma or even your child crucified in front of your very eyes because you're living under the foreign domination and occupation of another empire. And you're crying out to God every day, God, send your Messiah. God, send a second Passover when you will lead us again through your lamb out of slavery, out of exile, into the promised land once again. When you will put your, put your promised king back on the throne. When you will send Moses again. When you will send Elijah again. All of these promises God has made over and over again. And we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. But Paul says... At just the right time, God sent his son. At just the right time. There was no accident. There was no coincidence. God did not forget. He specifically chose intentionally the time and the place. And He continues to work that same way as we, in 2020, continue to wait on God to fulfill his promises to make all things new. I want to give a brief overview of waiting as it's presented in the Hebrew scriptures because this idea of waiting on God just shows up over and over again. Abraham, before he's named Abraham, when he's still Abram, is promised a child. He's promised a nation. He's promised a land. And he's promised to become a worldwide agent of blessing. Only one of those things does he see fulfilled and only after over 20 years of waiting. He got to see his son Isaac born, which was the seed of this promise. But it wasn't for generations until his family would become a nation. It was not for, for over 400 years until his family would inherit the land. And it wasn't until the coming of Jesus Christ some thousand, you know, 2,000 years after Abraham, that he became the agent of worldwide blessing through the person of Jesus Christ. Think about what it was like to be a Hebrew uh, person enduring 400 years of slavery in Egypt. The first, you know, uh, America, the, the colonies in America began roughly 400 years ago. Can you imagine living in slavery that length of time um, waiting for God to fulfill his promise of freedom. There's 40 years in the wilderness where they're waiting to go into the land, the promised land where the people are just walking around for an entire generation waiting for God to open up the doors that they could go in. Think about the time of judges waiting for salvation to come during this period of chaos when year after year, uh, generation after generation, people did what was right in their own eyes and it led to increasing chaos. Think about the people of God waiting for David's promised son in the times of the kings. King after king is sitting on David's throne and all of them, almost to a person, are failures. All of them, almost to a person, are completely corrupt. There's a few kings that lived in Judah that were righteous kings that, that reigned in a similar fashion to David, but the majority of them in Judah and all of them in Israel were men who had turned away from the Lord. 
Think about waiting for rescue from the Philistines, from the Assyrians, from the Babylonians and the Persians. Think about waiting for rescue for over 70 years in exile in Babylon. Think about waiting for the temple to be rebuilt when the splendor, the glory of Israel, the Solomon's temple had been destroyed. Think about waiting for God to restore his glory to Israel once again after so long. Think about waiting when the prophets went silent, when the word of God went quiet, and all you had was this scripture from a different time a different generation that you could look back on, hoping that it's still true, hoping that God is actually there and will do what he said he will do. In the intertestamental period, about 400 years or so between when the last Old Testament scripture um, in our Protestant Bibles was written and the first um, uh, of the New Testament uh, was written, there's about 400 years, and think about what it was like to wait <laughs> during that time of silence. And during that time of silence, it wasn't quiet. <laughs> there was all kinds of stuff happening. If you know your history, you know that Alexander the Great shows up, and uh, Greece dominates Israel, and then Syria and a, and a series of Syrian and Egyptian um, emperors are going to dominate Palestine um, back and forth. And there's there's a short period of time when the Maccabees rise up, and there's a Jewish independence, but it, it's so brief. And then Rome comes in and dominates like no other empire had dominated um, year after year. Think about what it was like to wait for the prophet like Moses, to wait for the incorruptible high priest and the Davidic king. One of the things that had happened to the priesthood over the generations was that it became a political um, entity that families purchased uh, at the highest bid. And so these wealthy families, during the high priests that you read about in the New Testament, They're not from the family of Aaron. It's not passed down generationally anymore. What had happened through corruption, what had happened uh, through the chaos of exile and the chaos of being dominated by foreign powers is that Rome allowed the priesthood to go to the highest bidder. And that's why there's these uh, different high priests that rise up and former high priests who are still living who had then lost the bid uh, for the high priesthood in that year to another higher bidder. And so it had become this completely corrupt system. And so when you read about the high priest in the New Testament, it's no longer God's intended um, system, the way that he laid it out in, in the law, in the Torah. It's, it's something that's been dominated by politics. And so the people of God are living through foreign uh, occupation. They're living through deep chaos and corruption among their own uh, Jewish leaders. They're waiting and waiting and waiting. All of the Hebrew scriptures is an example. The entire Hebrew scriptures are a testament to waiting on God to fulfill his promise. It's a meta-narrative. It's a theme that shows up from the beginning to the end, waiting and crying out like Habakkuk in Habakkuk 1, how long, Lord? Crying out like David in Psalm 13, how Long, O Lord, how long will I sing this song? What does it mean to wait on God? There's two primary forms of waiting. One is passive waiting, and I don't mean that to be a bad type of waiting. Passive is not a negative term here. And then there's active waiting, and I I believe God has called us into both forms of waiting. 
To wait, um, passive waiting is to wait with patience and to wait with endurance. An example of passive waiting is actually Jesus on the cross. He could have gotten down. He could have called upon a legion of angels to rescue him. It was well within his rights to get off the cross. But he stays. He endures to the very end. Despising the shame, it says, he endured the cross. That's a a form of passive waiting, of just not, not moving, refusing to move, and waiting on God with patience, even in the midst of that kind of pain. When God's silence is there, when the whole earth goes black, when it feels like God has forsaken him completely. My God, my God, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Another example of that is John the Baptist in prison. He can't do anything. There's nothing he can do except for send word to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? He's just stuck. He has to endure this painful waiting. And then there's active waiting that God invites us into. And this is a type of waiting that is built on perseverance and faithfulness. Jesus endured the cross, refusing to get down, but he persevered up into it, refusing to turn away. In other words, he didn't stop walking towards the cross, although he had every right to say, I'm not going to drink this cup. I'm not going to get up on that cross. I'm not going to bear that cross. I'm the sinless lamb, son of God, the lion of Judah. I have the throne to my name and he could have ascended that throne right there, but he chose to obey God even to the point of enduring the cross. He perseveres to the cross and then he endures it. He actively waits on God every step of the way up until that point, and then he patiently waits for God to do his miraculous work even as he endures the cross. Or another example from John the Baptist's life, he actively waits on God by preparing the way. He's the voice in the wilderness. He's active at work. Think about a waiter. I've talked about this before at Parker Ford Church, but a waiter at a restaurant doesn't just sit around. That's a terrible waiter. A waiter at a restaurant is someone who comes to you and serves you, who asks you, would you like a refill on your drink? Are you ready to order? Would you like dessert? Are you ready for your bill? That's a very active form of waiting, and God has called us to wait on him with both forms of waiting. Patiently, just being willing to endure and sit quietly when it's that kind of time that he's called us into, but also also a type of waiting that serves him, that waits actively on him. Think about waiting in the famous passage in Isaiah. Those who wait on the Lord rise up with wings like eagles. That's an active waiting on God. God has called you to be a person who waits on him with patience and endurance, but also with faithfulness and perseverance. Perhaps you're struggling with infertility. Perhaps you have a loved one, a cherished loved one in your life who's sick and there's nothing you can do about these situations. There's nothing you can change and so you're just waiting on God, enduring. Or perhaps you're seeking new employment, you need a new job or, or you're, you don't have employment at all. Waiting takes a very active form. You're filling out applications, you're banging on doors, you're seeking a new opportunity. Or perhaps you're a person who's seeking to be a healthier person, to eat healthier, to have a healthier body. You can't just wait on that passively. You have to go after that. You have to exercise. You have to change your diet. That's an active form of waiting on a result that you hope for. God has called us to be a people who both passively wait with patience and endurance and actively wait with perseverance and faithfulness. 
How long, O Lord, when it's quiet, when it's silent, how long we lift up this prayer and this cry to God. So as we wrap up today's teaching, before we transition to the end of our service, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions. Do you think it's rude or overly bold to ask God how long? Can you do that yourself? Do you have, do you have the boldness to go, come before God and say to him, How long, Lord? Have you grown weary in your waiting? Are you practicing both passive with patience and active with perseverance waiting on the Lord? I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to seal his word in us today. And then I invite you into this time of reflection. Father, we thank you that at just the right time you sent your son. We thank you that the Hebrew scriptures teach us to be a people who wait with endurance and perseverance, with patience and with active pursuit of you. May we be that kind of people. And in this season of Advent, may you teach us to wait upon you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we wrap up this morning's service, I want to invite you to put this into practice, some of these principles about waiting with patience, waiting with endurance, waiting with faithfulness, um, into action, into application in your own life. And so as we close, this will be our last time of discussion and reflection um, as families or individuals this morning. Consider the following uh, challenges to put active and appropriate passive waiting practices into your own life. I'd encourage you to make a list of your doubts, frustrations, and hard questions and bring them honestly before the Lord, knowing that he can be trusted with the most vulnerable parts of our souls. Join the prophets when they say, and the psalmist, when they cry out, how long, O Lord? So what are the parts of your own soul um, that you need to bring before the Lord with vulnerability this morning. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is inviting you to do that right now. And then I'd encourage you to identify a place in your life where you're struggling with impatience and intentionally lean into waiting on this, um, this subject, this item, this person, this change, whatever you're waiting for, to lean into it and learn how to wait with both patience and endurance. So take a minute to reflect on these and then join us for this morning's benediction. The benediction this morning comes from Psalm 13. This is a Psalm of David and this is a Psalm that has ministered to me throughout uh, my life as much as any Psalm really. I, I mean I have a number of favorite passages that I go to, but this is one that I have consistently gone to um, in dark, hard, difficult times, especially when I'm, I'm struggling with impatience or struggling with frustration with myself. Listen to these words that I read, and then notice how quickly there's a turn from sounding like David's discouraged and frustrated to trusting and waiting patiently and actively on the Lord. So this is from Psalm 13. It says, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. 
lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So in closing, my prayer for you this morning is that you would trust in the steadfast love of the Lord, that your heart would rejoice in his salvation, that you would sing to the Lord and know that he has dealt bountifully and mercifully with you, even in the midst of a difficult period of waiting. I hope that you have a wonderful week. Go with God. Be blessed.